Welcome to our Sunday message, Sunday the 29th of October 2023. Our scripture reading is from the book of Philippians, chapter 2. I'm going to be reading verse 12 and 13. Philippians chapter 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you and in us both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for your precious word. I pray that we'll understand it a bit better because of this time spent discussing it and allowing you, Holy Spirit, to educate us. We ask you to give us enlightenment. Anoint our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to do your good pleasure in the wonderful name of Yeshua. The title of this message is the path of salvation. Now, we Christians, as I've said so often, use terms that possibly we don't really fully understand. And salvation is one of them. This term salvation. Because it's hard to describe something that is so vast. And one doesn't pretend to know everything about it. But the point is this, that we need to have a clear understanding what it is. And the reason why I've entitled this message The Path of Salvation to understand the mechanics behind it as it applies to you and I in our Christian walk. To start with, it's important to grasp that the fundamental meaning of the words, the Greek and the Hebrew words from which we get our salvation, mean to rescue. That's the heart of it, to be rescued. I remember as a child I was busy body surfing at the coasts, I'm not sure where it was, but was having a wonderful time into the water, catching the waves, riding them to the shore. I was quite oblivious to everything that was going on around me. Until all of a sudden this big brawny hand grabbed hold of the prow of my little ship, so to speak, and dragged me to the other side of the beach. The reason that was done is because the lifeguard saw I was busy heading towards disaster. In my enthusiasm, I didn't realize that I was being taken more and more and more towards the rocks, you see. I was rescued. I was going in one direction, and all of a sudden, I was taken out of that situation. I was rescued from it. Now, the big question is, when it comes to salvation for you and I as human beings, what exactly have we been rescued from? One of the reasons many people scoff at the idea of getting saved is for the simple reason that they don't think they need to be. You see, I was oblivious of the danger to which I was heading, and sad to say, that is the case of many people. But let's try and grasp this understanding. You see, you and I as human beings on this earth were created by God specifically for fellowship with Him. That's the reason He made humankind. God needed a friend. And you see, that's the great call on you and my life, irrespective of what we do with our lives. We have fellowship with Him, you see. And that is the source of great life, because you see, God Himself is life. And out of fellowship with him, 
you and I will not experience life. In fact, what we will experience is ultimately death. You see, the moment you and I are cut off from God, we are set off on a course. What separates us from him, of course, is sin, doing things the way we're not supposed to. And you see, human beings, whether we like it or not, are born into the sin. You and I have a free will, we're in this world, and because of that, we tend, without knowing it very often, to move off the right path. Now you see, that starts a series of events in our lives. And if nothing happens, and if we do not take the corrective action, if the lifeguard, as it were, of our soul does not come and rescue us, we will continue in an ever-increasing spiral downwards to a terrible place called hell. You see, the separation from God, as it stands as you and I walk in this world, is temporary. But once we die, it becomes permanent. So in the big scheme of events, you see, we all understand, we should understand that God sent his son, Yeshua, to die on the cross for us, to pay the price for our sin. And, you see, if we accept that, receive that, prepare to confess him as our Lord, that process and shuffling off of going in the end of our days to hell gets turned around, we get saved. And you see, this is something that God made available to all mankind. Read in John 3.16, Because God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You see, this life with God, this fellowship with God, was designed to last forever. We are, whether we like it or not, eternal beings. Now, you see, most people have a vague understanding of that, and possibly not a total understanding of that. But once you and I have accepted Christ into our lives, we are, as the Bible terms, saved, born again. But there's something else to it that I need to explain. In that scripture we read, it says there, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There's a working out of salvation. Now you see, that does not mean that every day of our lives we've got to make sure with fear and trembling that one day we will get to heaven, you see. That's not what it means. What we've got to grasp is that salvation, although it is a momentous thing to be rescued from an eternity of separation from God, there's more to it than that. And I need to explain it. You see, in the process of being separated from God and living in this world system, you and I become contaminated. What we are surrounded with inevitably contaminates us or affects us. Contaminate if it's bad, blesses us if it's good. I was fishing once with my brother-in-law and we were fishing on a small dam north of the city called Ristavinta. And he caught a few of these beautiful bass. They were quite large. And on the way home, he said, you can have them. And I was so thrilled that I'd have a chance to cook fresh bass. In my youth, we used to cook these freshwater fish and really enjoyed them. And I was thinking that back home, I'll cook them up quickly and we'll have a wonderful supper. 
Well, it was a disaster, not because I'd forgotten how to cook the things, but because they tasted terrible. They tasted muddy, they tasted dirty. And the reason they did is because they had lived in a dam that for one reason or another is highly contaminated, like most dams, unfortunately, in our society. Those fish didn't choose to get contaminated simply by being in that environment. That's what they picked up. Now, you see, you and I as human beings, the day comes and we start this course of separation from God. If we don't know any better, and sometimes very often even if we do know better, but in the process, the world system around us influences us. Not only does it influence our eternal destiny, but it influences every part of us as human beings. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And you see, what we've got to grasp is that the moment we are saved from eternal damnation, as it were, that isn't the end of the story. That's merely the beginning. And working out our salvation means that as we start a new life with Christ, a process begins. A process of, can I call it, cleaning up begins. The same word is used, but very often it has two distinct meanings. The one is eternal salvation. The other one is this process of salvation mentioned here in 2 Philippians. You see, work out your salvation. Many translators translate that same word in that instance as sanctification. We are saved, we experience eternal salvation once of experience, but then you see the process starts, the process of sanctification. And you see, God's interested not in us just making it through, as it were, creeping over the finishing line one day and sort of saying, phew, I made it. Far from that. His plan is for us to live whole, wonderful and happy lives. You see, it's God who works in us to will and to do his good pleasure. We've got work to do on this earth, you see. And we can only do that work as effectively in as much as we are functioning properly. In other words, not dysfunctional. We don't understand very much how dysfunctional we become by being contaminated by the earth. And this process of sanctification is a process of finding out what it is that this new life really means and starting to understand how God sees things as opposed to the way we have always been trained to see things. I've been conditioned rather to see things. Now, what I need to try and communicate with us is that God is patient and it's an ongoing process. It doesn't just happen all of a sudden. But that process has certain patterns behind it which we need to understand. You see, if we don't understand this, we can live a very frustrated Christian life, as many people very sadly do. To the extent Many times, people who start off as Christians, they experience this eternal salvation. But what happens? 
they get disillusioned, you see. Very often, they fall off the bus. And our society is littered with people who will say, I once got saved, yes. I once went to a crusade. I gave my heart to the Lord. But now I've fallen away. So you see, this is very important to understand. It is a process and we need to get with the system. If we don't, we'll live this frustrated life for the simple reason that as this new creature that we've been created, we try to live in a new system according to the old ways. And it doesn't work. It's very much like if a person from this part of the world emigrated and went to, say, Eastern country like Japan or China. To try and live in the same way as we do here is pretty difficult. One has to change, you see. One has to adapt to the new country that you dwell in. Well, as Christians, the moment we're born again, we are born into a new country, the kingdom of heaven. You and I cannot live in the kingdom of heaven successfully and at the same time live according to the principles of the kingdom of this world. We are in this world, but no longer of it. And you see, frustration comes when you and I try to live with a foot, as it were, in both kingdoms. We become conflicted within, and there's terrible tension, you see. However, once again, please understand, the transition isn't immediate. Although the initial transition is, the downstream adaptation is not. We've got to work at this thing on an ongoing basis and, as the Bible says, become more and more like him, our king. Now, to understand the process a bit and to get started with it, let's just read a scripture from Thessalonians that we often do read. 1 Thessalonians 5, and I'm going to read from verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Yeshua the Anointed. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Note that it says that God's plan for us is to be sanctified. You see that word sanctification as opposed to salvation? sanctify you completely. And then it lists your whole spirit, soul, and body. Like we said, the human being is not just a simple organism on the earth. We're quite complicated, actually. And these three parts of us all need to be, as it were, sanctified. Salvation needs to come to all areas of our life. And you see, the process with God is Always starting with the spirit man. See that? Spirit. We are a spirit being. The whole essence of being saved initially is the fact that because of sin, that spirit man died. The wage of sin is death, you see. It's a process of dying. Once that inner man dies, the rest of us follows gradually. I always use the illustration of cut flowers. You can go to the flower shop and buy a beautiful bunch of flowers and they look magnificent. You bring them home, put them in a vase, and they beautify the house. And it's all wonderful. 
But what is the inevitable fate of those flowers? As beautiful as they are, there will come a time, sooner or later, when they will dry up, they will die off, they'll have to be thrown out. Why? Well, they are cut flowers, you see. They were cut from the source of life. Same with humankind. Once you and I start embark on a life which is characterized by sin, we become cut off from God. And you see, the life that's in us slowly but surely begins to dissipate. So once we get born again, and that's the essence of it, that spirit man comes alive within us. The real us is revitalized. That means we are now in contact with the source of life, God himself. Now that is salvation, because only if that spirit man is resuscitated, brought back to life, do we have a hope of being accepted in heaven one day. But you see, the process doesn't end there, as I've said. It's the beginning. And even though our spirit man is born again, that spirit man inside of us needs attention. This is the process of salvation. If a child has just been born into the world, for that child to survive, it has to be taken care of. It has to be nurtured. It has to be fed correctly. It has to be protected. It has to be educated, slowly but surely trained and allowed to grow. The same with our spirit man. This is the start of the process of sanctification. You and I as newborn children of the living God are in a very vulnerable position. That's why, you see, when we try and encourage people to get saved, we like to bring them to a place where they can be taken care of. Because far too often, as we've mentioned, people do get saved, but then this ongoing support doesn't take place, and we know the result. But you see, that spirit man has got to grow. And not just grow, continue to grow. There's a whole process of sanctification that needs to take place. But more than sanctification, development. You see, God wants us to be complete in our soul, in our spirit, our soul, and our body. And as we are going to see, in a whole lot of other areas as well. But the starting point is that spirit man. He needs to be fed. He needs to be fed with the word of God. That is the food that the spirit man feeds on. It's the starting point of the whole process of sanctification. We are born again by the word of God, but the process is not complete. And you see, that spirit man being fed also needs to exercise. The Bible describes the whole process of developing our faith. Real faith is the energy of our spirit man. That spirit man will be attacked by evil spirits and other things that will come its way to dissuade it, to try and stop it from living a full life and from ending up in heaven. There's a foe out there. He's jealous. He doesn't want us to be with God. He wants us to be with him. It is a battle, you see. But in that battle, the process is one of our spirit man becoming stronger and stronger and stronger. And we could spend a lot of time on this, but we haven't got the time now to do it. What we're talking about here is the path of salvation. 
the starting point is your and my spirit man and the development of that spirit man never ends as is the case with every other area of our sanctification by the way they all need constant development a pattern i discover in the word for this development can be described as i have very often as attain maintain and proclaim you see we attain salvation the moment we get born again the big challenge then is to maintain that salvation to get that spirit man up and running so it can fight for himself you see but that's not the end of the story either the next stage in the process is for proclaiming that salvation getting other people saved once again of our subject but let's just move on to step 2 or stage 2 as it were and this is really important what the bible describes as our soul it's important to realize that there's a difference between our spirit and our soul they are connected but they are not the same thing the bible describes how the soul and the spirit are divided very simply stated your soul and my soul man is made up of three things our will our intellect and our emotions what makes us human is the ability to decide we've been given a will now before you and i were born again do you know that your will was captured by the god of this world we decided things according to the world system once we get born again that will is now influenced by the spirit of god we become different people it's important to grasp this as important as our will is once again please understand something the fact that you and i are born again is no guarantee that we've used our will once correctly we will use it correctly forever and ever as far as our will is concerned there's this process of sanctification our will needs to be strengthened and there are ways in the bible which we can do this god wants us to be strong people people that are not blown this way and that by every wind of doctrine as the bible describes it's a process you see developing our will not to be strong willed in ourselves but for our will to be submissive to the living god once again a full subject on its own then there's the area of our emotions do you know something that god has designed us with emotions they are there to be enjoyed but once again we need to grow up in them they need to be developed correctly you and i cannot afford to be swayed just by our emotions as many people and sadly many christians are we've got to realize that however our emotions have developed in the world system and by and large the enemy makes great hay with our emotions directs us in paths that we never should have chosen etc that part of us needs to be developed we need to change irrational anger into godly righteous anger you see we need to be able to love as god loves unselfishly all these things the whole range of emotions that god has placed within us needs to be explored and developed 
Once again, a subject that we cannot cover here. But you see, the point of this message is for us to be aware of these things, to know that God wants us to develop in them, and not to just, as it were, roll over and say, oh, well, I was born with weak will, weak emotions. I'm an emotional person. That's me. We are all emotional people, but we need to learn how to develop our emotions. Then the area of the intellect. Now, many people will say, well, this is the most important of all. And a whole society has majored on this development, the development of the mind. And yes, the development of the mind is very important. However, sanctification of the mind does not mean just developing the mind intellectually. It means developing the mind in accordance with the way God sees things, in accordance with God's thinking process. If we do not do that, as Christians, we will live, as I've said, a very frustrated life. The Bible tells us in Romans 12 to renew our minds. You see, we have to renew our minds, restructure the way we think. It's a very fundamental process. God does not think the way we do. God's ways are much higher than ours. Can you see? And if we do not go through this process, this important process of salvation, sanctification of the mind, we will end up very frustrated trying to live in this new world that we've been born into, thinking according to the old way. And you see, that causes a lot of confusion and a lot of heartache. Why? Because, you see, if we have to understand God's instruction, we have to first understand how he thinks. Once again, this is a major, major area. It would take all week and all year to probably scratch the surface. But once again, the point is, let's understand that this process, this path, of salvation, of sanctification, includes the renewing of the mind. But it doesn't stop there. You see, all of these things are interconnected. We are a body. We live in a body. And that body is very important to God. The next part and area of our salvation would be healthy bodies. God is interested in you and I living healthy, strong lives so that we can fulfill his purposes. And God has provided for you and I to live in what the Bible describes as divine health. Yes, we might need healing from time to time and we do get attacked being in this world more and more these days by sickness and disease. But it was never God's plan for you and I to live under these circumstances, he wants us to be well. By his stripes we were healed. That is the promise of God. Now you see, you and I will not understand living in divine health if our minds have not been renewed. You and I will not be able to believe God for a healthy body if deep down we don't really know that that is his will for us. Once again, this is a whole subject matter all on its own. 
But you see, all of these areas are interconnected. You will not experience divine health unless your spirit man is in contact with the living God. That's where divine health comes from. You and I will not experience divine health, as I've said, if our minds are clouded with the idea that possibly God gets a blessing out of seeing us sick. So we've covered very briefly this whole realm of the spirit, the soul, and the body. But it doesn't end there. You see, there's another area, another three areas, four actually, areas of life which desperately, desperately need sanctification. The next important area is the whole realm of relating to people. You and I are growing up in this world filled with hate, filled with bias, filled with a whole range of selfish desires, ultimately means that we get cut off from people, from relating properly with people. And once again, a subject matter all on its own. But you see, it was never God's will for you and I to live in an isolated world, just on our own, fighting for our own little survival in our own little hole. His plan was for us to be able to relate to people of all kinds. And you see, this is an area that needs to be developed. We have to learn it very often. Some people naturally relate to people, others struggle. No matter. God's will is that you and I learn, that we learn how to relate to other people. And please bear in mind, there's such a wide range of different relationships, different types of relationships. We need to understand them. Different rules apply to different relationships, you see. And it's only when we start to understand these differences, we're able to flow with the system, as it were, and enjoy life. You and I were designed like God designed us for fellowship, you see. Once again, it's an area of sanctification. It was never God's plan for you and I to grow up bitter and twisted because of what other people might or might not have done to us or for us. We've got to grow out of these things. We've got to become robust and mature and be able to relate to other people. And not only that, be able to help other people that are struggling with relationships to come out of their shell and enjoy fellowship with other people. It doesn't end there. The next big area in your and my life is the whole realm of finance. Do you know God delights in the prosperity of his servants? He delights when you and I do well. And this is something we've got to grasp in our minds and learn how to develop in. It's so important. God does not get any joy out of you and I struggling. Not so much because we might be struggling, but because when you and I are struggling, we can't help other people. And once again, it's an area, you see. It's an area. We need to know that this is an area of a whole sanctification process that's available. There are rules that apply, conditions, promises, etc., etc., you see, once again, the process is that you have to start with the spirit man. There's a godly kind of wealth and there's an ungodly wealth and we can't afford to confuse the two. The one will bring life, the other one will destroy. Can you see? 
And you and I will only experience godly wealth if we ourselves are godly people. You see, God delights in the prosperity of his servant. Why? If we are his servant, the chances are great, not guaranteed, but the chances are great that we'll use our wealth, his wealth, his prosperity in our life, to bless other people and not to control them. Once again, the subject all on its own. We can't do too much there right now. The next area, and this is a very important one which gets missed so very often, is the whole area of your and my purpose in this life on this earth. Too many people, Christians especially, are wandering around, no idea of why we are here and what we are here to do. And it's important to grasp the fact that you and I have been given an assignment by God, an individual assignment by God. God placed you and I on this earth to do something that nobody else can do. In short, if we don't do it for him, it won't happen. Now you see, we can have everything else right. We can know we're going to heaven. We can have developed our soul man. We can be very healthy in body, very good friends with everybody, able to relate well. Our finances are in great shape. But if we don't know why we're here, or what we're supposed to be doing, what our purpose is, all of that becomes very, very empty. And it was never God's idea that we should live empty lives. And you see, that's why he's given us a purpose. The great purpose lies in each of your and my hearts. Once again, it's a big subject. But please, the whole point of this message is for you and I to realize this, to be aware of it, and to know that God wants you and I to work out our salvation in that particular area, not to be happy until we know what we are supposed to be doing and that we are doing it or making moves towards doing it. Can you see? That is the key to all the happiness that God wants you and I to have. You see, it's all very well saying God wants to bless me, but if we don't know what we are supposed to be blessed for, there's no telling how that blessing should end or begin. Can you see? It's all pointless. We can have very healthy bodies, but just to enjoy life and not do anything with that health, can you see? It can become pointless. The whole point is that the salvation is an ongoing process. And if you and I don't know what we're supposed to be doing, God's not angry with us. The point is, if we realize that we're not doing it, we should be finding out, making steps to find out, be determined to find out. Only in that way will you and I live a full life on this earth. A lot of people talk a lot about how long are we supposed to live? Is it 120 years? Is it three score years and ten? Is it like Moses? Is it like Abraham? Is it like, oh my soul, maybe Noah, 400 plus years? You understand, we can get tied up with time. Well, if you look at our example, the Lord Yeshua, he only lived for about 30 years, 33 plus. He lived a full life. Why? You see, he was so cognizant of his purpose. And he realized that once that purpose was finished, it was over, finished. There was no need to stay here. He could go and enjoy heaven. 
The same with us. If you and I know what we're called to do, we're entitled to live as long as necessary to get that job done, one way or the other. That's what is living a happy life is. So we've covered so many areas, and one needs to just add that in this whole process, the seventh area is eternal destiny. That moment when you and I leave this world and we live with our Father in heaven and all our brothers and sisters that have gone before us and with all those who are coming after us, you see. If you and I can complete that cycle, as it were, we would have finished well. We would have had a full life. We would have worked out our salvation with fear and trembling. I trust that you have picked up the whole point of this message. There are so many areas to get working with, but we need to know that they're out there. We can't enjoy life as Christians if we're just trying to live on the straight and narrow and just make it through. God has planned much, much more for you and I. Then my prayer is that as we grasp this understanding, that we'd follow this path, this individual path for each person, our own individual path of salvation, sanctification, you see, so that we can be, as we are commanded to be, perfect, as he is perfect. He blessed in the wonderful name of Yeshua. Amen. Amen. 